The way we power the world is changing, and you can help lead that change with Chevron Renewable Energy Group's EnduraFuels, a complete line of high-quality bio-based diesel solutions for fleet, marine, and rail that enables reduced carbon intensity and improved engine performance, all while helping you work towards profitability targets. Join us as we lead the way toward a lower carbon future now. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Net Zero Carbon, the show here at Freight Waves where we focus on decarbonization through a lens of freight, fuels, and energy. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined once again by Serge Chemchula, head of ecosystem at Transporion and welcoming a first-timer to the show, Marcelo Marcal, Logistics Purchasing Director for Electrolux Group, focusing in Europe. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks for receiving us, Tyler. It's a great pleasure. Great. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I think this is going to be a really good episode. We've we've had Transporting on in the past. We've looked at some different products and offerings, um, and you guys have done a wonderful job evangelizing sustainability across the entire supply chain for freight and logistics. Um, this is the first time, though, we get to bring on a customer and hear from a customer-facing story exactly what the focuses are and how we're delivering on these you know, very ambitious goals in many cases. So why don't we start there? Why don't we let Marcelo give a little bit of a background on your role, Electrolux, and where you guys are focusing specifically on decarbonization and freight and logistics? Thank you, Tyron. Yeah, I'd like to start with the Let's Rules group because we, we'd like to call ourselves a global appliance company that has been shaped living for the better for the last 100 years. Yes. So our area is reinvent taste, care, and well-being experiences to make the life of our consumers better. And that we, we have some strategic drivers which are ex-sustainable, create better experience, experiences and our steeple. We have a purpose called this shape living for the better. The reason is where this is the reason why we come to work every day. You know, in everything that we do, every problem we design, every idea and human interaction, we try to shape living for the better. So this is our main purpose of Adelatimus. And, and when it comes to uh, sustainable strategies, we have what we call the For the Better 2030 program, which basically we are... Uh, trying to act sustainable in everything we do, bringing that to, to the design of our products, the services we are providing to our customers and consumers, and how we, we drive our supply chain as well. So this, that basically this is the, the highlights of the introduction of anything. Excellent. I think that's a, that's a really noble, ambitious goal. And I love that it's not just customer obsession, like you see in many firm mission groups, but it's, it's kind of human experience obsession that you guys get to move towards. That's that's wonderful. Serge, why don't you remind everybody a little bit about your role and uh, about Transporian? Yeah, um, head of ecosystems. The ecosystems converts in a kind of wider definition of partnership, including uh, academia, research, and uh, stakeholders in the industry, independent whether they are users of our transport logistics platform uh, in Transporian. Um, uh, we have the mission, we had already the mission in 2020 to bring logistics in sync with the world. 
but in 2020, we, we took one more step and we uh, talked to the stakeholders in the industry and the industry leaders to which extent we can force, strongly foster sustainable solutions for logistics. Marcello Marcal uh, with Electrolux was one of those. Uh, and uh, in 2021, in autumn 21, that led uh, to uh, turn from bringing logistics in sync with the world into bringing logistics in sync with a sustainable world. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we have not only uh, taken the time of our customers to tell them how they could foster their way to decarbonize logistics, but we have also taken action on our end, uh, becoming a science-based reduction target uh, member and and, uh, decarbonizing our own operations as well. You got to walk the walk if you're going to bring customers along for the journey. I love that. That's actually a really good segue too, because that's something that's becoming more and more common as customers are now, um, or as companies are now being pushed to operationalize or deliver on some ambitious goals that we've set in the past. Um, so why don't we talk about some of those targets briefly, um, Marcelo, if you could say, you know, what some of those 2030 targets are in relation to logistics um, and then surge maybe for you as well. Is that a net zero SBTI target? You know, what what level of ambition are you guys discussing? Let's start with Marcelo. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's important that we define the time. So, so back in 2016, we set the ambition to reduce 80% of our emissions in scope one and scope two by 2025 and 25% of reductions in scope three. So basically, we are now in 2022, and uh, the results of 2022 so far tells us that we have already uh, achieved our targets three years ahead of time, meaning for scope one and scope two, we have reduced more than 82% of our emissions, banning operations, and into the realization of our products, and more than 25% in terms of the distribution of, of our goods. So these are, uh, let's see, our ambitions that have already been achieved so far, but we are not stopping there. We are going for to be carbon neutral by 2030 in operations. That's close to as ambitious as it gets when we talk carbon neutrality. Serge, care to transport you? I had to look up the numbers, to be fair. Uh, yes, we try to adhere to the 1.5 degree uh, uh, temperature increase uh, limitation. Uh, that converts into reducing our scope one and scope two emissions from greenhouse gas uh, emissions uh, by 42% uh, by 2030, based on 2019. And our scope three greenhouse gas emissions should be reduced by 25% by 2030, as it, uh, two intermediate goals to achieve uh, carbon uh, net zero, to be precise, by 2045 latest. And uh, that was an exercise, actually, which was uh, helping us a lot to understand also the situation our customers are in and what are the difficulties. Uh, if I remember when we tried, I mean, everyone can easily get its scope one and scope two emissions, uh, installing sensors or looking at sensors other people have installed. Once you get to your scope three emissions, you get, you're going to get blind from one moment to the other. Uh, that was really exciting to see. And the other thing is, uh, in the first instance, we thought it's only us, a, a, an IT supply chain uh, uh, company, uh, which has 84 
90% of uh, scope 3 emissions, such a huge amount of. In the meantime, I learned that the average of the industry is 80, uh, uh, including including the chemical industry. So quite a lot of interesting learnings at our end. Yeah, if you start digging down the, the carbon accounting rabbit hole, you'll learn pretty quickly that scope 3 is the beast that everybody is trying to understand. I liken it to if you've been to the eye doctor, which all three of us are wearing glasses, I'm sure you have. Um, when you're getting your prescription checked and they change the lenses on you and you can see the letters directionally, it's fuzzy. We know it's big, but the closer we get, the better we can see. So more data is always better in defining what that scope three looks like and clearly more guidance. Um, thank you both for setting the stage on that. Why don't we, why don't we talk next about some of the strategies and actions you're taking to achieve those ambitious targets? I mean, Marcelo, we're talking in the next seven years, probably six, six figures every year of annual CO2E emissions coming out of just the logistics piece. So when you start slicing that up into achievable bits, what does that look like for your group? What are some of the strategies you're pursuing? Yeah, you know, Tyler, just to give a perspective of how much uh, that group is a meeting in terms of the uh, distribution of our groups, uh, we need uh, two thirds more in distribution of our goods compared to the production of goods. So there is a big impact of the transportation in all of the others, land, air, ocean. And just to give an idea, we're talking about 450,000 metric tons as the starting point for us. And our target by 2025 is to reduce that, that to nearly 299,000 metric tons. So nearly 160,000 metric tons is what we're talking about reducing. And as I said before, we already achieved that target three years ahead, but we were not stopping there. And, and, and what we're trying to do is to apply strategies for, for transitioning from the um, most polluting transport modes to less polluting, meaning we're trying to shift hard from traditional diesel road transportation to intermodality, to rail, and when we we study in the road part, we are also promoting this transition from more and friendly equipment. Oh, we've been uh, utilizing electric trucks since 2019 at the and now we we are heavily investing in the supply base so they can make this transition to more sustainable vehicles like the biodiesel, the HVO, the bioenergy trucks. And, and we are succeeding at that, not only in Europe, but on a global pace. Those are all important initiatives. Serge, do you care to comment on a few of those strategies? I know we'll plug our friends over at um, at Black, just coming off Smart Freight Week recently. All of those things that Marcelo is mentioning are, are clearly high on the importance of shippers. How do how would you care to comment on how we're doing at achieving some of those? Uh, indeed. So, uh, what Maybe I can uh, answer from two different angles. The one, the one is uh, how we frame uh, these undertakings, and maybe a bit of of impression from last week's Smart Freight Week, yeah. um, and how the industry reacts. Uh, so, on one hand, we have to decarbonize. We have on one hand these long term solutions, uh, and I do count uh, alternative vehicles and fuels and energy uh, sources, uh, including the infrastructure and the financing into the long-term solutions. Uh, for example, in Europe, 
trucks which will be still able to be to come into operations uh, so ICE internal combustion engine uh, based trucks uh, in 2035 they will operate for another 17 years on average so this is not not something short term also a uh, serial production of uh, electric vehicles starts in 2027 so last year for example only 5000 electric uh, HGVs have been uh, registered. Uh, I know it appears that there were much more than those, but this uh, more like every social media post equals one truck, electric truck. Uh, so this is a long-term thing, an important thing. It's part of the solution. It's just not the only solution, so to speak. And uh, shift, uh, enabling uh, a stronger rail and intermodal network or a strategic network optimization are other long-term solutions. And then, then we have these short-term abatement solutions, as the World Economic Forum is calling them. And the importance of those is that uh, uh, until these uh, long-term solutions uh, come into effect, all the emissions going into our atmosphere will stay there. So what is the difference if we, if we act now or if we wait? The difference is one-third of the entire uh, uh, balance sheet of our greenhouse gas emissions, one third, which is not going to disappear from one moment to the other, even if we reach net zero uh, at 2050, for example. And therefore, these short-term abatement solutions are needed, and actually we need to take action here as we speak. Uh, so most of these, uh, not all, are related to digitalization and or based on digitalization, uh, and it starts with technical and operational level like route and load optimization, uh, empty mile reduction, demerge uh, reduction, echo driving is uh, free of any digital solution as we speak, for example, uh, but also collaborative sourcing, execution uh, of modal shift and procurement and emission uh, combinations. Um, so this is, this is more or less uh, what I see, uh, how, how I frame that. Uh, going back into the Smart Freight Week, uh, I found two, uh, I would say, directions uh, as a result of that. The one more from the shipper side. Many shippers are very much focused on the uh, conversion from this internal combustion engine to alternative uh, energy-driven trucks in particular. Uh, as said, that's nice but it's not a golden ticket. It's not going to solve all the problems on it on itself, uh, apart from nitty-gritty details which don't need, which shouldn't be ignored, but it's only part of the solution, and, it's, and that solution comes into effect very late stage only. And the other thing which I heard from large logistics service providers, that was a bit disappointing. There was a lady, and I'm not going to, to, to uh, quote the, the company name, of course, but the large leading uh, logistics service provider on that globe said, more or less, like, we don't have any idea who is doing our transports, which we do subcontract, what happens there, how we can decarbonize. We have pretty much no chance to do so. So uh, let's buy carbon credits to the extent possible. That's all we can do, which I don't think is the way forward in all fairness. So <laughs> having, having tried to give you two answers on one question. That's a great one. We could take that a million different directions. I'll comment on just a couple things. One, um, we won't even go down the rabbit hole of carbon credits, but I, that's a whole conversation. I see some value uh, in interim 
offsetting, but I also see lots of risks, obviously. Um, it was interesting to hear that that's part of the conversation. And I will say, you mentioned a few things that are super important. One, collaboration. I think that's part of the reason for this call, right? Discussing how Transporian and Electrolux are working together to achieve some of these targets. But it doesn't just require a long-term, let's wait and see what happens. If I'm trying to lose weight, I can't plan on losing that last 20 pounds on the last day of the diet plan. I've got to change my behavior on the front end and and work with my constituents, my trainer, my family, the grocer. There's lots of people that are going to have a responsibility for helping me in that, even though the effort is my own. So let's talk a little bit kind of with that framing, Marcelo, like what's changing within your purchasing or what would you like to see changing from your suppliers to help you guys move faster on your decarbonization plan? And I'll, I'll tee up one more question as a subset to that. We have to be able to track those changes, right? In that, in that analogy, I've got to have a scale so I can track my results. What are some of the ways we're engaging with our suppliers to be able to track progress? Well, that's actually a great passion, Philem. Um, when it comes to purchasing strategies, um, as we have this long-term target, so we are also thinking long-term when we are selecting our supplies. So basically, uh, we're not selecting a supply to stay with us for a couple of years. Instead, if we are asking these supplies to invest in new technologies, less impact in terms of emissions, they also need to have the uh, security that they will do the investments and they will stay with us for long years. And that is about what, what's happening. So one thing is to select supplies that have the profile to invest in this new technology. And the other thing is to work with them to select which is the best option for the decarbonization. We're talking about your diet, you know? So our feet, in order to cut our, our fat, the biggest cut we are doing through intermodality and radio, that's for sure. But then the other part that remains, which is the road transportation, we are now working not only with the truck manufacturers, but also with our uh, transport carriers. Say, guys, these are the vehicles that are out there. And we are willing to support you in the investment plan if you go for these technologies. And by the way, stay with us for X many years uh, of collaboration. So to me, this is this is key. And every day, and this is part of my passion and my work day, every day I'm calling suppliers, I'm calling the OEMs. We are promoting events to explain how can we do this transition? And we have been very successful at that. And uh, that's why we, we got also in the day from speaking, many different uh, discussions around the topic. And to be honest, it's also very uh, pleasant to see that we had, we have progressed so far. But also, it tells me that so much more can be done just by working in collaboration. Start working toward your lower carbon goals today with Chevron Renewable Energy Group's Endura Fuels, a complete line of quality renewable fuel solutions available now. To learn more, visit regi.com. Now you almost find hidden wins that you didn't know were there because you're deepening ties and understanding each other's businesses a little bit better. And you mentioned education as a key piece of that too. I find a lot of times, especially with mid to smaller tier suppliers in the freight logistics, Sometimes it's even a resource constraint where, yes, I may know that there's additional reporting or additional data that I need, 
um, but I need someone to help me figure out how to get that efficiently and to be able to communicate that to every, every stakeholder upstream. Serge, care to, to comment on maybe even that data collection piece and engaging up and downstream suppliers and sharing that? Yeah, data sharing. Yeah. What a short uh, term and what a, what a long topic if we can discuss it uh, to the extent. No, actually, um, in, in our proposal to decarbonize, uh, the beginning, of course, is always to get the data together and to, to get a robust view on where we are. And uh, already there, we struggle with uh, uh, data sharing from side from by the side of the carrier. And it's there is a rumor which is uh, absolutely wrong. This is that it was the smaller carriers which uh, don't have the ability to get primary data from trucks, etc. So it's very often the commercial relation or the trust between the shipper and the carrier, which is not there. And in that sense, uh, the approach from, from LA to Lux to have long-term relations, trustful relations with the supplier base is the precondition to enable data sharing. Uh, in all fairness, I have to say, I see large carriers sharing more than 90% of of their data, of, of the insights. The shippers do not have to see all the nitty-gritty details of the insights with their shippers, and the same carrier shares only 1% with another shipper. I think that really speaks for itself. In that sense, the the, the close relation to uh, carriers is highly important as Electrolux uh, is performing that. And uh, in particular, on the way to decarbonize, uh, we have to understand that uh, these investment strategies, for example, into a, a truck technology, first of all, these trucks are, at, as we speak, approximately 3.5 times as expensive as a conventional truck. So that's quite an investment. And then it, uh, it is supposed to be in use for in total 17 years. This makes it a really strategic decision. And if you have in, in, in balance, if one year contract with a supplier with a shipper, well, that's not a good uh, precondition to go for such investments with such high risks. We have to understand that, and there are uh, also uh, some financial institutions which try to help both shippers and logistics service providers to to find a good balance between the risk and the investment because that is really needed. Otherwise, uh, we. We are on the wrong page if we just want to wait uh, for the carriers to move on their own without any coverage from this shipper side. Yeah, a lot to unpack there, um, especially on the equipment and the technology piece, depths of relationships, financing constraints. Um, but that's going to have to be another show because we just don't have time to dive into that one. I would love to make sure we come back and, and hear from Marcelo. Um, what's next? Meaning we've, we've got a strategy, we've got targets, we are engaging, we're actively engaging. Is there another lever that we need to pull or, or what's missing to move faster? Is it policy? That's, that's a very is good it, question. Yes. Uh, tax the dollars? We, is it all about technology about or are there just mind, continued mind shift and business model uh, changes that need to happen in order to make your suppliers help you deliver like on those targets? The electric truck part, which it's hard to implement because we don't have public infrastructure for the kind mean, and I think that will be in the future, but then you need to act on it. So if you don't have it, let's go invest it. We have the luxury at the lateral route to make this investment, and we are coming at our own facilities to promote the development of technology, 
But to me, it's it's really about debating about these things, what we can do together. So in the all the collaboration groups that we are participating, we are always inviting for new ideas. How can we overcome the challenges? And in yoga, you asked me, what's next? I think that the key is the involvement of the other groups that are part of the problem, but also part of the solution. And here we'll give you data. And last year, we invited 100 of our top suppliers and worldwide alumnus to participate in the CDP disclosure. So they are disclosing what they are emitting in terms of, of, of CO2 and 100% attended our request. So that means that is the willingness of our supply base to do this change. Oh. But as you mentioned, that is the challenge of, of the the government and the public farm that maybe needs to accelerate a bit more. And I know the European Commission is doing an also good job at that because there is money available. We just need to, to channel this money to, to the right uh, to the right crowd. And and we are part of that. And I want to continue, continue to be part of these conversations. But maybe not not many people are about are yet aware of this involved in these conversations. And here this uh this conversation we are having today, I hope this will reach other companies, other people that are interested in making this progress, because there are lots of tables of discussions out there. Uh, we cannot meet every single one of them, and as, long, as much as I, I would love to, but there are opportunities for everyone to participate, contribute, and also be part of, of this change. So we are committed, as we call it, to drive the change uh, in transportation at our business and also for the health of our planet. That's really encouraging to hear, and hopefully that's the takeaway for many of our listeners on this show is uh, to borrow Electrolux's uh, tagline, let's shape living for the better. It's a mindset change and it's do more. Let's continue to engage with our stakeholders. Let's learn, let's report, let's make the changes we need to make. And if there are constraints or challenges, let's involve and, and broaden the net to have the conversation of, oh, this is too expensive or I can't bear that entire cost or it doesn't fit with my model. The more we talk and the more we proactively work together, this, you know, you give engineers and motivated people and logistics professionals enough time and money and willingness, we can figure it out. I'm confident. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Um, Serge, you've, you've been on this show a couple of times, so I'll, I'll reframe this question for you. But Marcelo, as a first timer, I always ask guests to come on the show. What's your personal motivation for getting up, going to work and trying to tackle decarbonization initiatives or, or bringing sustainability into your day job? What is that motivation for you? Yeah, I must say that in that sense, uh, Transburn is really in a luxury position because it's at the button of our heart to bring uh, logistics in sync with the world. It, we just add, had to add one more dimension and focus on it. And uh, I have the pleasure to 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 foster uh, sustainable solutions to the extent I want within the organization, which is yeah, like a dream job, right? Uh, maybe I shouldn't be paid for that even. Uh, and uh, let me give you, it's, it's when I was at the university, uh, which is obviously a few years back, uh, Nike had a claim, just do it. And this is exactly the situation I we fi find ourselves in. And coming back to, you know, to the point, uh, 
um, uh, Marcello raised before intermodal transport, which indeed, from my point of view, is one of the levers uh, to achieve net zero transportation. Uh, well, uh, on one hand, we performed in collaboration with ALS, the Alliance for Logistics Innovation through Collaboration, uh, uh, a study uh, on the rail system and the shortcomings and the weaknesses. And the main point found was that uh, shippers claim that uh, there is no good integration of intermodal and rail solution into other supply chain solutions. So we said, let's do it. Let's do it. And we, before doing so, we asked our own shipper society, uh, in total 1,300 uh, accounts, uh, if they would consider to book intermodal transport over our platform straightforward. Uh, I mean, we, we have, uh, like the industry does, uh, some 7% uh, transports booked intermodally anyhow, but to, to a larger extent. And I was a bit skeptic, and it's still a forward-looking statement. However, 95% of our customer bases said, yes, we, we will likely or in any case do that. 25% said we will for sure do that. Do that. The other 70% said we will very likely do that. Only 5% said probably we would not do so. And then we asked them how much of your volume would be concerned. And the answer on weighted average was uh, 15%, which is about double of the intermodal market share of today. So the option is there to double. And we know from studies in the fast-moving consumer good industry that if you look just on the on the uh, shipment level, you could move by by lead time, by uh, accuracy, etc. You could easily move forty percent of your road transport to intermodal. Uh, we just don't do it because we are stuck in old habits, in old school approaches where we make a tender, and four years later we still execute all the transports on what on the same lane. As we, as we defined it in the very beginning, it all goes road if we once found a shipment which is, was super urgent. And we want to make an end for that, to that. So our goal was to facilitate, to facilitate our shippers booking intermodal transport over our platform. We partnered with a couple organizations, just like the Rail Cargo Group, which is the second largest uh, road and uh, rail and intermodal operator in Europe for freight, uh, to, uh, to uh, make a good deep integration so that everyone can benefit from that and the shift to um, other modalities than road is getting much easier for the shipper. And it's a question really of ease of use, single sign-on principles. That is That all together, of course, is great fun, I have to say. <laughs> it is great fun, and that's a good call-out because it's impactful. Right, that's sixty to seventy percent emissions reductions when you shift to rail over road, at least. Um, and making it easy, I think, is the other key component there too. If we take away some of those operational constraints on the planning side, and we're serving up better data alongside cost and transit time, where people can now see the emissions impact of these procurement decisions. Uh, Marcelo, I know looking at your report that you guys have a logistics dashboard that you're incorporating a lot of these metrics now into the actual procurement exercises, and we weren't doing that previously. So I'm confident now that we're making these changes because we have better data and access to make these decisions. I think it's about to doing the right thing, Tyler. Um, because, with you that, know, let me turn it want. back over to Marcelo to bring home. Kind of that first question I asked, uh, why does this matter you know, to you to, personally? To, um, to succeed. Sustainability as your day job. In the future, also for our kids, from the next generations. And it's about doing the right thing. And, and doing the right thing is not that difficult. If we think in the same way, you might 
particular job, what I'm trying to do is to promote the best uh, uh, transport solutions for our consumers, for our customers, so they can choose what is the most sustainable way of transport. But it's about giving the these options, the, the choice to, to, to the consumers. Uh, Sir so was mentioned about the, the modality part. And if, if I can hold on that, back in 2017, we would utilize in average between 15 to 17% of our shipments of finished goods at the Letter Blues Europe, uh, utilizing rail and intermodal in all online. Our running rate of the last weeks has been 62, 61%. So 61% of our finished goods that are reaching our customer and the distribution centers, uh, they have been delivered under in either intermodality or rate of direct because we also have the offer things in rate of connected. But when we set this ambition a few years ago, I personally thought, Man, this is not possible to achieve, but it's possible. It's all about doing the right thing, doing the right choices, but also set strategies and setting some ambitions when you are selecting the, the transform carriers, when you are defining the lanes that you were, you're going to utilize. And we've been doing that every year, increasing a bit more, a bit more. And also we, we are now in this moment, working in the profile of the suppliers. Okay, we charge the suppliers that have the same vision as a Metrolux group, because we work with these guys. Top driving traditional transport company, eventually you've got to work for somebody else, maybe in the, the competition. But for us, we have to share the same vision of the same uh, framework and share the same same ambitions. So that's what, that's uh, and how I would like to, to conclude it in this part because we can do it. It's about the, taking the decision, take the the will. I love that. That's super encouraging. Um, and to borrow phrases from both of you right there, and like it's hard to shape living for the future to make it better, um, but just do it, <laughs> and Thank we can get there. But I love that. You. Thank you both for your insight and for your expertise and for the work you're doing. It's meaningful. Thank you. Um, hope the listeners enjoyed the show and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much, Tyler. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. Start working toward your lower carbon goals today with Chevron Renewable Energy Group's Endura Fuels, a complete line of quality renewable fuel solutions available now. To learn more, visit regi.com. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration.